This is the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. Pat Sweet here, and welcome to episode 19 of the Engineering and Leadership Podcast, the show dedicated to helping engineers thrive. Today, I share three strategies for future-proofing your career so you can move forward with confidence even during a pandemic. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sweet, and welcome to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. I have a very special episode for you today. I'm very excited about this. But first, a few things, a little bit of housekeeping, as is usually the case here in the show. First of all, a little over a week ago, I hit the 50,000 download mark. So I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this show. Thank you for, for sticking with it if you've been a subscriber over the last little while. It's incredibly cool to know that this show is being heard and is helping people. And listen, in the grand scheme of things, I, I realize 50,000 downloads is still pretty small potatoes. I'm no Joe Rogan, but, but it's still really, really cool to know that, that, that this is being listened to uh, worldwide. And, and the thought that I could be helping even a few engineers out there is really, really humbling. So again, incredibly motivating for me. Thank you so, so much. I, I really appreciate you. And this project is, is for you in the end. So, so that's really, really cool to have you along. Today on the show, you're going to get to hear a webinar that I co-hosted with my good friend, Jeff Perry of morethan-engineering.com, who fans of the show will already know from episode 11, where, uh, where he was a guest. The webinar that I hosted with, uh, with Jeff was called How to Future-Proof Your Engineering Career So You Can Move Forward with Confidence even during a pandemic. And it was really, really well attended. It was a lot of fun to do, uh, so much so that I wanted to share it here on the podcast today. The webinar tackled three main topics. The first was how to beat imposter syndrome. The second was how to establish career clarity. And the third was learning to lead no matter where you are in your career. And these were three topics that Jeff and I picked based on our conversations with engineers over the years um, as things that you can use and, and, and if you develop will benefit you throughout your career, no matter what career stage you're in, no matter what industry you're in, no matter what's going on in the world, beating imposter syndrome, establishing clarity and learning to lead are all going to help you. They're all going to be core skills that you can take with you no matter where you go in your career. So with that, Let's turn to the main content for today. The first voice you're going to hear is Jeff Perrys, who is setting the scene for the webinar. Hope you enjoy. Guys, we're, we're excited to be here. We just want to start off with kind of our promise of what we're going to cover today. We're going to talk about a number of different topics inside of this whole umbrella of future-proofing engineering careers. So we're going to talk about imposter syndrome, how to break through that, and how to get some more clarity for how to take your next step through your career, and how to continue to grow your self-leadership. And at the end, um, we're, we'll share some free resources and some other cool things that we're working on that may be coming soon. And as I said, some of those free resources, if you stick around to the end, um, we got uh, a career clarity checklist and uh, a leadership 101 ebook that you can get for free that will give you those links uh, if you stick around. 
But just a little bit on who we are. Obviously, I'm Jeff Perry. Pat's introduced himself a little bit, and we'll hear more from him in a second. Um, I'm the creator of More Than Engineering. I do leadership and career coaching for engineers and tech workers. And uh, I'm the host of the Engineering Career Coach podcast in partnership with the Engineering Management Institute. So I'll let uh, Pat introduce himself as well. Yeah, for, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Pat Sweet, uh, living in Halifax, Canada. Uh, I work full-time as a, uh, an engineering manager in the defense industry. And prior to that, worked in, uh, in, in rail as well. And uh, I host a, a podcast called the Engineering and Leadership Podcast, which I've run uh, over the last several years, uh, which has led to some really interesting opportunities to, uh, to lecture and work worldwide and, and, and basically help engineers uh, with, with leadership management productivity skills. So that's, uh, uh, that's all about me. So the first thing we're going to, to tackle today is, is a, a topic uh, called, called imposter syndrome, breaking through imposter syndrome. And the whole idea here is to, to change your beliefs about yourself, what you're, you're able to do, what your capabilities are. A really good uh, quote from Maya Angelou to, to capture the idea here, what, what imposter syndrome is. She said, I've written 11 books, but each time I think, uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everybody and they're going to find me out. I think of all people to feel like they're going to get found out. Maya Angelou, Jeff and I had a a really good chuckle about that the other day. Uh, This really captures it. The the whole idea is imposter syndrome is feeling like you're a fraud. Like you you ought not be where, where you actually ended up in your career. That you're just lucky, right? That somehow you slipped through the cracks ducked through the shadows and, and magically kind of ended up where you are. And, and the syndrome part is, is the worry that you're going to be found out one day. And I put this picture up about the, with, these, with these medical folks um, to, to, to tell a bit of a story. My, my wife is a physician and she had imposter syndrome in a big way during, during medical school. And she, she confessed to me one day, she said, I'm worried a man with a clipboard is going to interrupt lecture one day and ask, is there a, is there a Mrs. Verstag here? <laughs> Come with me, please. <laughs> like, there's been some mistake. You don't belong here. Your grades weren't good enough. You know, I know you've been doing fine for the last year and a half, but out. Right. So, so that really, that really summarizes uh, imposter syndrome. Um, and, and I'd be very curious uh, to know if, if anyone on the chat right now just wants to kind of say yes or raise your hand if you've ever felt this way, like like you don't really actually belong where you are. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll let people respond there. Lots of hands going up already. I know I know I have. I know Jeff has. It's very, very common in our line of work where you're surrounded by brilliant people every day doing incredible things. It's really easy to feel like you don't really belong. So, so what we've got up here is what, what I call the imposter syndrome cycle. So if you start at the, at the top right, there's that nagging feeling like you feel like a fraud. You feel like you don't belong. I don't belong here. I'm not good enough. Look at all these other incredible people. And what's a natural response to that? If you feel like you're going to be found out like, like you're some sort of criminal, you're going to hide. You're not going to put yourself out there. You're not going to, to, to try big things or venture out with wacky ideas. So you, you hide yourself. But what's the natural result of that? Well, you don't perform as well. If, if you don't step up, if you don't stand out, 
you're you're not going to get noticed, sure, and that's you know g- g- good in terms of avoiding getting found out, but bad in terms of your career performance. And the problem with that is that reinforces your belief because you're not you're not doing great work, you're not doing great things, so you're not going to get recognized. And that reinforces this belief that, see, I, I am bad at this. I don't belong here. And the cycle continues. So it's really easy to see how with this mentality, you can kind of work yourself up into a lather and, and really work against yourself. So beating imposter syndrome is incredibly important no matter, no matter what you do, no matter what stage you are in your career, no matter what industry you work in. Th- this is really important. Now, in order to do this, you kind of have to to recognize that you do have strengths and when you use them, that that's objectively good. So it's important to know what your strengths are and play to those strengths. You have to have yourself in your corner in order to improve performance. If even you aren't rooting for you, if even you don't believe that you belong, that you really have something to contribute, no one else is going to believe you either right? Even if you really do objectively deserve to to be where you are, do what you're doing and contribute in meaningful ways. That's how you improve performance. So a couple of interesting things you can do, simple things, in fact, to to try to beat imposter syndrome, to try and, 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 and break yourself out of that mental cycle. The first thing, uh, and, and I love this as an engineer, is objective evidence. You know, we all make uh, evidence-based decisions. And, and if we go back to, to that story about my wife in medical school, um, she was in med school that prided itself on what they called evidence-based medicine, which scared the heck out of me because it made me think that other schools were not using evidence-based medicine. I don't, I don't know what they were doing. But, but think about the degrees you have. Think about the designations you've earned, the experience you have. The very fact that someone picked you for your role that you have today is third-party validation. Someone has already vetted you, right? And, and in fact, if you look back throughout your career, you'll realize that several people have vetted you. People have written you reference letters. People have accepted you for jobs. People have given you degrees. People have given you raises. There, there's, there's this huge body of evidence to suggest outside of your own head that, yeah, you really do deserve to be where you are doing what you're doing. The other thing you can do is to remind yourself of that fact. And and that's what I'm talking about when I say positive affirmations. And this is something that a number of people suggest. Um, One of my my favorite authors is a guy by the name of Hal Elrod, uh, wrote a book called The Miracle Morning. And and one of the things that he preaches is is a, a daily practice of a couple basic Things. And one of those, one of those basic things are positive affirmations, reminding you that you are good, you are worthy, you are valuable, you have skills. And going as far as writing those down and reading those on a daily basis, I, I know it sounds wacky. I know it sounds incredibly soft. Don't knock it till you tried it. And if you find that you are in a, a position where imposter syndrome is getting in the way, then why not? This is something you can do in five minutes each morning. Uh, and 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 it's something I maintain in my own personal practice to this day and really can be quite powerful. So what does it look like if you beat imposter syndrome? You'll recognize this same cycle. I've borrowed it from, from a couple slides before, but if you pay t- close attention to the wording, we, we've modified things here. 
in the top right corner, instead of saying, I don't belong here, you tell yourself, I do belong here. What I'm facing right now is hard, but I can do this. This is something I am qualified for. I may be challenged by, but I'm act, I'm absolutely up to the occasion. So what do you think that kind of headspace leads to? Well, it leads to you showing up. It leads to you putting yourself out there. It makes you comfortable pitching crazy ideas. It makes you way more comfortable raising your hand, speaking up, debating ideas. And what's the natural consequence of that? Well, of course, it's improved performance. People take notice of your effort. People take notice of your willingness to take risk, even if things don't always work out. And and frankly, things won't always work out. That's okay. People will still appreciate the fact that you are trying. And then uh, of course, if you if you're performing well, and if people are recognizing your work, then that reinforced the belief that you had in yourself in the first place. See, I'm actually pretty great at this. So there's this positive re- reinforcement here. It's the exact same cause and effect loop, but a, a different starting point, right? And and the 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 magic of this is this all happens in your head right? <laughs> you really don't have to do much other than kick this off on the right foot, right? And that's a choice that, that you get to make. Very, very powerful. All right, over to you, Jeff. Excellent. And I would just echo that, that great advice and, and counsel from uh, Pat there. Shared some great stuff on imposter syndrome. Pat and I have talked uh, multiple times and even did a, a podcast episode about imposter syndrome and moving through that and kind of connected with that. A lot of the things we're talking about today are not just the pragmatic things to do, which a lot of you know, the the basic things to build your basic engineering skills. We're kind of trying to get to how are you thinking and who are you becoming as, as an engineer and as a professional throughout your career? And so beating imposter syndrome and the next topic that we're going to talk about is finding clarity and doing some purposeful activities can help you clarify what are you trying to do and what are you trying to become. So um, a little bit of a story. Many of you should be familiar with the the classic story of Alice in Wonderland, a Disney movie, also a book. Um, as, As the story goes, Alice was wandering through this deep wood and she came upon the Cheshire cat, this kind of conniving character in the story. And Alice asked the cat, what road do I take? And the cat responds, uh, well, where are you going? To which Alice says, I don't know. And the cat cunningly says, well, if you don't know where you are going, any road will get you there. This is a perfect example of Alice not even have clarity about where she's trying to go, what she's trying to accomplish, uh, because the cat told the truth. If she doesn't know where she's going, then why does it matter which way she goes? Um, And so we need to have a a little bit more clarity about what we're trying to do in our career. So a little bit more about why this is important, okay? Um, We have to get clarity about where we're going, um, but it's true, like Alice experienced, there are many roads, there are many options that we can take, and engineers especially, I find because they're so versatile in the skills that they develop and the different things that they can do professionally to apply those skills. Um, it, it's hard. And, but we need to focus on trying to figure out what are the pieces that are right for us. And some people see this as extremely difficult um, when they have these different skills and could really fill many types of roles. But 
then they get stuck in analysis paralysis, trying to do really objective uh, analysis on um, on where they should go and feeling like if they make a decision, that decision's final and it, it could make or break the rest of their lives. Uh, and what that leads people to often is not taking any action and not doing anything at all and, and therefore not even really learning and gaining more clarity. So I want to continue to break down some of these misconceptions. So let's talk about what clarity is and then I'm going to talk about what clarity isn't, okay? So clarity really is about having a clearer sense of what your purpose uh, of your life and what you want to do in your career, your beliefs and your values, your value system, and really getting clear on that. Um, it's having a focus on the kind of person that you're trying to become, not just the next job title you're trying to get, but what are the, what's the type of person that you're trying to grow into personally and professionally um, with all the different things that you're working on. Um, and it's an increased identification of these skills and experiences that come together in a combination that makes you unique and allows you to bring value that's different from anyone else. And this is what uh, can help us understand this a little bit more. And, and finally, it's this understanding of motivations behind what you're trying to accomplish. What's the why behind Simon Sinek? Uh, has kind of popularized the whole idea of start with why. And I really do think that understanding your why, your motivations behind what you're trying to accomplish is a really powerful thing. And many authors have written about similar concepts. And, and it's been played out with many successful people throughout the years um, when they have that strong sense of motivation and understanding. Um, but what clarity is not is a few different things. So it's not a perfect map uh, of, of all significant career changes you're going to go through. Like you're not going to have a perfect step-by-step -step from point A to point B between now and the next 10 or 20 years. It, it's not that, okay? Um, it's not this perfect step-by-step -step plan or a treasure map where X marks the spot or a crystal ball or a fortune teller reading. And it's not the same for any two people because all of us are different. And it doesn't mean that you're never going to go back and second guess yourself. You're going to make decisions or you're going to avoid decisions. Um, and engineers especially can sometimes get into uh, this feeling of, oh, I missed that opportunity. And that may be true. You might have missed some opportunities in your life or you may have made a decision that you're like, okay, I didn't actually like that in the end, but you've learned something through that whole experience. So it doesn't mean, even if you have more clarity about what you're trying to do and accomplish and, and take action, it doesn't mean you're never going to second guess yourself, but it does mean you're going to understand and be more intentional and purposeful about what you're going to try and what you're going to become, okay? So this whole process of getting clarity for your career and your life, it doesn't have to be as hard as we sometimes sometimes make it. And there are a lot of tools, very simple tools even, that we can use. And I just want to share one that uh, comes from the world of a lot of times uh, manufacturing process improvement, but a lot of industries use it to do root cause analysis. And it's the five whys. Um, it's often used to do root cause of the issue so we can address problems and really get to the, to the underlying cause, but can also be used in other uh, more personal ways, for example, to get clarity on our goals and why they are really important to us. 
Um, and it's such a simple tool, but it's extremely powerful. And we simply just have to do what it says, ask the question, why five times? And so I'm going to give you an example here. Uh, many people, whether they are here or not, um, a lot of people that both Pat and I talk to have this goal of becoming an engineering manager, you know, really wanting to move their career into leadership if they're not already there or increasing their leadership responsibility. And so this is an opportunity to, to look at that goal and be like, okay, why is this really important to us? So this is just an example of what um, someone might do if they were going through the five whys activity. Okay. So you simply ask, why is the goal important to me? So in this case, why is becoming an engineering manager important to me? And then you answer that question. You say, I enjoy leading and building others. So that's going to give you a nice first level reason, but we want to go deeper. So then we insert that now into why is leading and building others important to me? And we keep going. We answer that question. You might say it excites me to see others succeed and grow and to be a part of helping them achieve their goals. Okay, Let's go another level deeper. Why is seeing others succeed and grow exciting? Um, might say something like, I believe that my life is defined more by how I impact others and not by the achievements of me alone. There's some great answers. We're starting to uncover much deeper motivations than I enjoy leading and building others, which was just that first level. We can keep going, though. Um, we're trying to ask the question why five times, so let's keep going. Why do you believe your life is determined by your impact? Uh, which is what you answered before. Well, what else stays after I die? Only the impact I left on those that I influenced in my life. You know, someone who really wants to leave a legacy could be really important to them. And, and what they did in their professional life could be a really important piece of, of how they do that. Um, and then asking that question one more time, why is leaving a legacy important? Um, and, you know, they might answer that one more time, but you can go... E you know, the basic general idea or suggestion is five. You can go even deeper. You can keep going. See what you discover. Go as deep as you can. I've seen sometimes and done sometimes myself gone seven or eight layers deep and kind of discovered things through introspection that I didn't really realize that I thought or believed before. Um, and this really does help us explore those key beliefs, those values, and even the events in our lives that shape us and shape those beliefs and values. Um, and this can help you find your why, the deepest levels of why, not just the surface level you're trying to dig deeper. That's the whole point, uh, what we're trying to do here. So the invitation here is to dig in, to find the purposes and values that are important to you, act on that as a foundation for some of the other actions you take. And this activity can be done so quickly. You can do this in 10 minutes, um, one time on any goal or any decision that you're trying to, to make here and get a better understanding and maybe get more clarity than you've had in a long time in just a few minutes. Um, I just want to leave this section with a final quote that I love. This is from a, a coach that, that I've connected with. His name's Philip McKernan. And he says, in the absence of clarity, take action. And I think that is one of the best pieces of advice that we can give that when we are scared, when we're fearful, and when we're unsure, and we don't know which way to take, at least going somewhere is going to help us learn to understand and try something so that we can get clarity, even if we can't know exactly what the right answer is. Doing something is better than doing nothing, and that's the invitation for you here at the end of this section. 
Excellent. Thank you so much, Jeff. Um, and and uh, I, I just wanted to to jump on something that uh, Seb and Alexander just mentioned. Just it, it sounds like understanding our paradigms, which I think is a really good a good way to think about uh, what what you were just talking about. It's it's understanding really what's under the hood for yourself, personally and professionally. Right. Very very powerful stuff. Um, now, this next section uh, builds on that example that, that Jeff was just talking about, and that is becoming an engineering leader and, and learning to lead yourself. And, and this is something that, uh, again, we're, we're, we're tackling future-proofing your career. This is something that no matter where you are, where you find yourself this time next year, this time 20 years from now, leadership skills are absolutely critical. Right and and one hundred percent portable. So let let's dig into this. So one thing that I want to make very clear with respect to leadership is that uh, leadership is distinct from management. The two are related, but they're not the same thing. And this is something people get mixed up, or or, or maybe not even mixed up, but don't really uh, appreciate fully the importance of that distinction. Leadership is a collection of habits and behaviors. It's what you do, it's who you are, it's how you act. And in that way, it's distinct from management. Leadership is about doing the right things, where management is about doing things right. Leadership is more about vision and where you're going and and what right looks like. Management is about control and getting to that vision in the most efficient way possible, right? Um, one of the quotes that I really like uh, uh, on leadership that really crystallizes it for me is, is from John Maxwell. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way, right? They are charting that course. And what's interesting about this is, like I said, this can be applied at any career stage. Uh, we, we think of leaders, we think of folks like Elon Musk, who are going to try and take us to Mars. That's, that's incredibly visionary but there are only a handful of people on the planet who could rationally say that, right? For the rest of us, you can still be a leader at your level. And and we'll get into that in a little bit. One of the things that stresses a lot of engineers out about leadership is, is trying to understand what it is in a concrete way. There are probably among us here, people who are much more comfortable with second-order differential equations than they are with leadership and dealing with people, right? And and part of that is that second-order differential equations are concrete. There's a right way to do them. They give you a predictable result. That's that. Leadership is a little bit different, but maybe not quite as different as you might expect. Academics over the last uh, 100 years or so have spent a lot of time trying to understand leadership and have come up with a number of different models for leadership. Uh, Some are broadly seen as good, others less good. Um, But more importantly, there are a number that are pretty good in most situations, right? And one of those is called servant leadership. So servant leadership came from a guy named Robert Greenleaf, uh, who who really imagined the the leader as someone who was there to serve the team? Now now the concept has been practiced throughout history. It was Greenleaf who kind of crystallized it into into a a set of traits and behaviors and brought it into modern management theory while working at AT and T. So what he saw was that 
leadership was kind of a slippery slope because when people become leaders, often he found in, in corporate culture, they became leaders to serve themselves, which ultimately hurt the team. He turned the traditional org chart on its head and said, no, 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 no. A leader ought to be someone who sees that a team needs to be led in order to facilitate the team realizing its goals. So the leader subordinates themselves to the team and to the mission in order to clear roadblocks and help clear a path toward the realization of those goals. So there's a strong sense in servant leaders that they and, and their teams as a whole are working towards something greater than themselves. And that's something that, that's quite handy for, for us because whether you're a manager, whether you're an individual contributor, you can always serve the mission in, in your own way within your own sphere of control. So I find this a, a, very, a very powerful model for leadership. Um, in the next slide, there are a number of different uh, traits that, that servant leaders are kind of known for. And if you read the academic literature, you'll see um, these, these are the traits that come out. Now, most of these are fairly, are fairly self-explanatory, okay? Um, vision, honesty, trust, the, the, these all make intuitive sense. But I've highlighted a few that I wanted to dig into because um, one of the things that you can do as someone who's aspiring to be a leader is to, to pick one of these that you're already very good at and try and double down on that. Right. Another another way to look at it is you could look on look at a list like this and say, okay, well, maybe maybe I need to do a better job of having a service mentality. Maybe that's a weakness for me, and you can commit to finding ways to improve that. Um, but like I said, most of these are fairly self explanatory. But but there's a there's a few here that I, I wanted to touch on. The first one's integrity, and integrity is something that uh, again a lot of people know know it when they see it, but it's hard to wrap your arms around what, well, what does it mean to be a person of integrity? And the best explanation I've ever heard is that it's, it's adherence to uh, adherence to a moral code, right? It's a way of operating. It's a way of seeing the world. It's a way of seeing your work and people in a particular way that values and respects them and behaving in a way consistent with that worldview. And, that doesn't mean you have to have a worldview that agrees with everyone, right? There, there in, invariably will be people who disagree with the way you see the world. That's okay. The trick here is that you are consistent with your own worldview. And the idea there is that that ties into both honesty and trust. And people know who you are and know they can trust you and look at you and understand why you think the way you do and why you behave the way you do. And that builds, uh, that builds a sense of strong leadership in someone. The next one that I wanted to, to tackle is pioneering. Pioneering is an interesting one and it's tied to vision. So vision is having, having this view of what, what the future could look like. It's this idealized view of the future. Pioneering is actually taking steps toward that. It's coming up with the way of how are we going to actually, uh, to, use, to use an MBA term, how are we going to operationalize that, right? And it's not, it's not necessarily the, the nitty-gritty day-to-day uh, uh, management and coordination of a project, but it is really thinking in concrete terms, what would have to change? What would we have to do? Running experiments in order to take steps towards that vision. And if you can become recognized as someone who takes who takes bold action, 
that on its own can establish you as a leader within, within your peer group, within your organization. And finally, it, empowerment, I think, is something that uh, gets talked a, a, a lot about, um, but is very tough to, to feel like you're practicing it at, at work. And the best example of empowerment is, is to, to really allow someone the freedom to act within their sphere. So if I were to say, you know, Jeff, um, I really love your help on this project. Um, could you could you develop this plan? And then really giving him not only the, the, the permission, but the tools, the encouragement, the advice when he needs it to execute on that. So that's trust for him. And that's giving him really full power over, over that scope of work. And whether or not you're in a position to delegate work to people, you can encourage people to empower themselves. You can encourage people to take ownership for what it is they're working on. You can encourage people to, to really feel that they are capable of this thing that they've got on their plate. And when you do that, you enable success on a team. So it's about being positive. It's about being encouraging. It's about being available to facilitate that, right? To serve the group and and empowerment is all about serving the group at, at an individual level. And that's something anybody can do. So we talked a lot about leadership and, and, and what it looks like and and what you can do to, to kind of develop particular traits, but but why? It sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like it's fuzzy and you'd have to deal with people and it's hard. Well, there are plenty of really good reasons to become a leader, whether or not you want to get into management, right? I think we've all worked for managers who were strong leaders and managers who weren't such strong leaders. But I think we've all also worked with people, with individual contributors who didn't have manager or director or VP on their on their business card, who are still absolutely leaders and made a difference in the groups they, they, they belong to. Um, I guess the, the way I think about it, if you have leadership skills, even, even for yourself personally, you can give yourself career direction. Jeff talked all, uh, a lot about uh, career clarity. So this is about, uh, about, about vision for yourself and what the idealized future state could look like. That's incredibly powerful. It's incredibly important. This will improve your ability to set and achieve goals. It'll improve your ability to, to influence your organization. Um, anyone who's able to improve a team by virtue of being on that team is someone who will have no problem ever getting a job. You know, for, for those of you who watch sports, you, you often hear about people who, when they're on the field, they make everyone around them better. That's leadership. Right, and that and that's that's incredibly important. Again, regardless of uh, whether or not you're calling the shots, um, and also, like I said, it's it's portable. Uh, every industry needs leaders. Every organization needs leaders. So, so again, very very uh, powerful stuff. And I go again. I know I mentioned it a time or two, but uh, this is this is a take home message uh, that I, I really want you to to walk away with is understanding that you can lead. I don't I don't care if you're right out of school or if you're nearing retirement, whether you're a manager, you're not. Whether you've got a big team, a small team, it really doesn't matter. Leadership is not a position. It's not something that someone gives to you, and it's not something that someone can take away from you. 
a management role is you can get promoted to become a manager. You could be demoted, but your ability to lead is a set of skills and behaviors. And that's something you can, you can develop and practice and employ. So that's yours. Uh, no one's going to give it to you. No one's going to take it away. So, so take it, right? You can, you can start practicing this right now, um, which is what I, what I want to talk about next. So if you're someone who wants to develop your leadership skills, it, it's, it's tempting to think that you need to wait for the right career opportunity. And, and certainly that, that is a good way to do it, right? To, to be given kind of a formal leadership role, but you don't need that. First thing I would do is try to develop a, a vision for yourself, right? What is your view of the future? We all, and Jeff and I were talking about this, we, we all complain at the coffee maker. We all talk about what's messed up in the world, what's messed up in our, in our team, in our organization, our industry. From that point, it's important to recognize that you, you're on the verge of, of, of establishing a vision. You're complaining about the current state, which probably means you've got a view of what the future state ought to be. The trick is flipping from that complaining over to visioning. Right, having a view for well, what what does right look like? You can establish that, and once you do establish that, even even uh, either for for yourself, for your team, for your company, depending what your sphere of influence is, uh, you can start to lead toward that, and then you can practice uh, developing those traits, developing um, communicating a vision through e- either either what's going on at work, either new projects, new initiatives, um, or outside of work. Um, I, I was telling Jeff a story uh, yesterday about a time when I was a co-op student at a circuit board manufacturer in rural Nova Scotia. It was really a pretty fascinating co-op gig. And one day at lunch, the CEO gave a presentation to everyone in the lunchroom. So we just got this big grant. We're going to start developing LED streetlights. And this was not a design house. This was pure manufacturing. So, so the idea that they would start developing their own products was really cool. So I went to the CEO, I said, hey, that sounds cool. How do I get involved? And that became, I I, I became the first engineer, the first and only engineer in this startup that was spun off, right? All it took was raising my hand and expressing interest in this new initiative. See, a lot of people are afraid of new. A lot of people are afraid of problems. If you can throw yourself at those problems or, or those initiatives, you might be amazed at what opportunities open up to you. Now, Outside of work, there's plenty of opportunity as well. Anywhere where there's a group that's looking to achieve something big or change something, there's an opportunity to practice leadership. So uh, volunteer groups, your local church, uh, your professional engineering chapter, coaching sports even, uh, Engineers Without Borders is a huge organization across the world. You'd be amazed at how... uh, how easy it is to find opportunities to lead. There are organizations out there begging for people with your skills. And, and it, it could be uh, an incredible fit for you too, if, if only you just raise your hand. So uh, lots and lots of opportunity out there. So thanks, Pat. And, and thanks everyone for sticking around with us. Um, we've covered a lot of ground and, and talked about some, some fun stuff. We just want to spend a, a couple minutes just here wrapping up. So what did we cover today? And um, I hope we got across the messages that um, everyone, every single one of us on this 
webinar and every single one of us pretty much in the world. It's a universal experience that we experience imposter syndrome, but it doesn't have to be something that actually defines you. Like you can recognize it and what some people would say, like name it to tame it. We can name it, we can recognize it. And having that awareness, we can move through that with some of the great tips that uh, Pat gave us. Um, We also hope that you understand that getting clear on your goals, your values, your motivations, these increased clarity can help you take more focused action and take action rather than hanging out on that so you can move forward in your life and in your career. And like Pat was just talking about, every single one of us can be leaders. It's much more about who we are um, rather than just our title. Um, And taking action in all of these areas can help you to continue to move forward to grow your skills. And what we're always trying to do is provide more value for the people that we're working for or working with. Um, And it can open up new opportunities because all of these traits and, and these skills are transferable. And that's really what it comes down to, that future-proofing your career is all about, is becoming this person who can deliver great value with great skills um, and delivering uh, clear um, objectives across uh, your career and across your life. So, but, but in the end, it, it's kind of up to you. We hope we've shared some new ideas or, or reinforced some ideas that you already had. But the question here for you as we start to wrap up is what are you going to do differently because of what you learned today what's the one thing i just invite you to write down one thing and even share it on the chat if you're willing if there's one thing you're going to try or do differently because of what we talked about tonight because of what you heard or heard other people share um I want you to to take that action and do something differently and move forward in something that maybe you're holding yourself back from um, and and be open to what those experiences can teach you. That's the invitation for tonight. And so just the, the next steps, you know, where do we go from here? As promised, we've got some free resources. I've got a career clarity uh, ebook that I put together um, or, or checklist rather that, um, and, and we'll share all these, Pat's sharing these uh, links in the chat so you can go grab them. Um, Pat has an awesome engineering leadership ebook that he's put together called Engineering Leadership 101 with practical insights for becoming an engineering leader at any stage. So I'd invite you to go grab that as well. Um, if you got here invited by me uh, or by Pat, we hope that you are more than welcome to connect with either of us on on LinkedIn. We try and share things there and and are happy to connect with any of you. If you're not already connected with either one of us, we are more than happy to to connect with you. And there's our uh, LinkedIn URLs as well. We uh, look forward to connecting more. And then finally, uh, Pat and I have been talking about, which was kind of the impetus for creating this webinar tonight, um, we're, we're thinking bigger with some other things we're thinking about putting together. And so we ask you simply uh, to fill out a survey. We're, we're thinking of putting together a really focused uh, and, and kind of big engineering career summit, bringing together uh, some awesome speakers and teachers uh, who have done some great things to bring a whole host of resources and trainings and ideas to the engineering and, and engineering leadership community. And so 
we, we'd love to hear a little bit of your feedback if that's something you'd be interested in and any suggestions you might have for speakers uh, as we would put together something like that here in the next few months. It takes some time for us to put together. Um, and then also obviously filling out the survey will allow us uh, to keep you updated on any developments and certainly uh, connect you with those resources when they come out. So anything else you wanted to share, Pat? No, just that uh, uh, I, I had a lot of fun, really enjoyed doing this, uh, really appreciate the, the, the candor, the participation. I'm really excited to get to Todd's question here in a minute. I think it's a fantastic question. Um, at the very, very end of the, um, uh, the webinar, once we close things down, um, you will be brought to that, uh, to that survey. It's a very short survey. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're all busy folks. Um, but like Jeff said, um, we, you know, we're enjoying doing these webinars and, and this work. And if we're going to go big with, uh, with a, a larger kind of summit, we want to make sure that we are, ah, that, that we're being servant leaders, right? That, that we are serving the actual needs of the people who, who, who might come, right? So this'll, uh, this'll help us an awful lot and make sure we're, we're delivering value. Absolutely. And, and obviously, you know, Pat put all the, the links in the chat um, and you can scan this on your phone if you want to hurry and do that too. Um, but at this point, we're, we're happy to take some Q&A and, and maybe uh, Pat, I, I know you're really excited about Todd's question. I saw it come in too. It's and I wanted to save question. it for the end because it's a great question. So we could answer it live rather than just doing it over uh, text. So you want to take that one? Yeah, sure. Oh, and, and one more thing that I just want to mention, like a logistics thing, we will be sending out uh, a replay of this. Um, so e either Jeff or I will do a little bit, a, a little bit of editing, make sure the audio all sounds good. And then we will send that out to, uh, to, to the folks who came out and, and the folks who weren't able to join us uh, as well. So um, stay tuned for that. We'll, uh, we'll be finding that out in the next 24, 48 hours, I would say. Um, okay. So yeah, no. So, so from here, I'm happy to go to the Q and a, um, uh, so the first question is from Todd, and it, it's an awesome question. So Todd asked, how might you respond to someone who said you wouldn't go to a psychologist to learn engineering, so why would you go to an engineer to learn leadership? Um, <laughs> really, really good questions. And, and uh, I guess there's a, there, there's a, there's a fundamental difference um, in, in the practice of, of psychology and, and, and engineering. Um, and that is psychologists are never put in a situation where they have to, to code anything or build their computer from scratch or design the lighting in their office. Engineers, on the other hand, have to lead teams in order to get things accomplished. So, so there's this, this practical experience that is forced on engineers in order to get things done. Um, engineers, by and large, have to work in teams, particularly with large projects. Um, you know, in, in, in my line of work, um, you know, I, I've, I've kind of carved out a bit of a specialty in, in mega projects. So talking about automated rail systems, um, you know, uh, and complete turnkey systems, uh, not just the trains, but the infrastructure and all the rest. And, and now I work on, on warships, right? Um, so by virtue of, of needing to lead teams, you, you, you learn an awful lot through the School of Hard Knocks. Now, um, with, with Jeff and I, you also kind of get a bit of a bonus because both Jeff and I are also cross-trained. Um, we've both, we, we've both got MBAs. Um, I've got my, uh, professional, uh, my project management professional designation. 
certified systems engineering professional designation. So, so there, there's this supplementary um, leadership and management training that we've we've both done. So you get this kind of interesting intersection uh, intersection with us. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that that uh, answers the question, Todd. I, I don't know if you wanted to, to add anything to that, Jeff, but it's a good no, one. No, I think that I think that's great. And uh, you know, like you say, a, a psychologist is going to help you. Um, uh, dive deeper into some of the things. And, and some of those things, like we were talking about career clarity, understanding your beliefs and values. Sometimes psychologists can be the very best person to help you move through stuff like that sure, in a very yeah. clinical way. Um, but a lot of times engineers, especially I find um, really love talking to someone who's had very similar experiences with them. And so when we're talking about leadership, but not just any leadership, we're talking about engineering leadership makes sense to be uh, learning from someone who has experienced leadership in an engineering uh, capacity. So uh, that's just the other thing that I would say, but I, uh, I thought you answered it great. Um, and, did, you wanna, and Tim, did you want to take the next one? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and start there and then you can add anything else. So sure, yeah. thanks Tim for asking, um, would you mind sharing an experience you had reporting to a manager who was not a good leader? And you can provide, can you provide tips for managing upwards? Now um, I've had a, you know, <laughs> Usually, if you've spent any, uh, you know, significant amount of time in your career, uh, that's probably going to be true for you that you're going to have experiences like that. And, and here's um, what I would say with, with some of the people that I worked with. And I never had any, uh, I, was, I was blessed in that I personally never had any like really bad leaders, but I had plenty of leaders who I would characterize as quite transactional. You know, they were just talking mm-hmm. about, this is what we need to get done and they go from A to B. And any conversation we had was just about, you know, what they needed from me. And like, that was okay. We got stuff done, but um, there's a whole other uh, school and uh, school of thought on leadership uh, called transformational leadership that, that I really like. And uh, that, that's another way to, way to shift there. And uh, it includes some other pieces such as individualized consideration and, and inspirational and, and um, asking for, for more inquiry and um, like intellectual stimulation. And, and I think all of those same things um, can, can be true even if you're not the actual leader. It's, it's a lot of those same principles that, that Pat did a great job describing about self-leadership, leading and focusing on where can I provide impact for my leader or, or my manager and also for my teammates. Um, and I, and I see all the time that many companies even have the, uh, the philosophy that you will get promoted when you're already kind of acting in that leadership role for the team that you've in, informally taken on, uh, mentoring other people on the team, uh, taking ownership of new initiatives and new projects and, and really, uh, growing your mastery on, on the topic that, that you're doing. And those are the things that, that then give you those opportunities to be promoted as well, uh, because you're already taking on those responsibilities. So that's what I would say is, is look at what you can do inside of your sphere of uh, influence um, and practice those self-leadership uh, opportunities and focus on the impact that you can deliver for anyone that you interact with in your work. Mm-hmm. I guess if I can pile on to that, I, I um, in in the role that I had previous to the one that I have now, um, 
that was the situation is that I worked for a manager who was, who was a poor leader. Um, and, and I tried a number of, of things to, um, to kind of analyze the situation. What, what was it about this particular person that I, I felt was, was, you know, uh, poor in terms of leadership. And one of the things that, that I recognized was that, you know, the, the, the vision part was really good. That was something that he was very strong with, right? He had a very clear sense for, uh, for where he wanted the team to go, where he wanted our product to go, where he was particularly, uh, weak, was in terms of his his ability to motivate and inspire the team, right? It was, you know, it was a dictatorship. It was, it was a kind of, kind of team where if he didn't like you that day, you got yelled at and it was all, all stick and no carrot, right? So one of the things that I tried is to counterbalance that, to put myself in a position where I was sure to, to recognize the other people on the team when I felt they had done a good job, right? Not necessarily my place, but I, you know, little things you can do to, to, uh, to counterbalance those specific things that you think are weak. Um, now, ultimately the decision that I made was to move on from that team, right? Uh, if you, if you read, um, any of the studies from Gallup or, or in, in any of the big HR, uh, publications, you find that people are much more likely to quit their their boss than they are to quit their job. Most people kind of like their job, but can't stand working for their boss. Uh, sorry, for, for those people, for those people who do leave their role, it's 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 a, a relationship thing as opposed to a work thing. So I would say, don't don't beat your head up against a wall forever trying to fix someone because ultimately, a poor leader as a manager can also hold you back right? Can, can shield you from opportunities. And I, I know for a fact that this particular manager of mine recommended against my getting a promotion, mm. right? Mm. Um, so I said, okay, well, I'm, I'm not being supported. This, and, and at some point you do have to recognize that it's your career, right? Um, you don't run away from every problem because there are going to be problems, but you, you don't need to be a sucker for punishment either. Yeah. Yeah. Really good question, Tim. I appreciate that. Um, I'll start with Liam here. Uh, as a recent graduate, how would you show leadership? I'm still learning and I don't have a lot of authority in the team yet. So this is, this is a really good question. Um, one of the things that I would do, Liam, is, is since you're learning, this is actually kind of a really interesting opportunity that you have, is the expectation is that you are going to need to learn and grow. One of the things that you can do is you can try and establish uh, a particular field, particularly something technical within your group that is new and emerging that the company cares about or the team cares about that no one else really gets, right? Um, in, uh, I've, I've done this twice in my career. Uh, when I was in uh, right out of school, I worked for a building and facilities design consulting firm as an electrical engineer, and they were starting to get interested in green building. Uh, sustainable and you know, sustainable construction, energy efficiency. And I thought, Hey, that's cool. I don't know anything about it, but no one knows anything about it. So I went and, and uh, took an exam to get a designation in the field. And I was the first one in the company to do it. Anyone could have done it. I happened to have been 
the first. And by virtue of having done that, I established myself as a technical leader within the group. Uh, yes, it took work. Yeah, it was kind of tough, but I wasn't moving heaven and earth. I just decided to tackle something I knew was of interest. Later, when I got into the rail industry and got into systems engineering, I signed up for, for uh, uh, a membership within COSI, the International Council of Systems Engineering, because I wanted to learn more about it. It was relatively new in the rail industry, new with my company. And I just started signing up for, uh, for the free webinars and, and inviting people to the lunchroom to watch. And all of a sudden, I was the systems engineering guy. I didn't, I didn't do anything special to qualify. Uh, what I did, though, is I demonstrated in a really concrete way that I had an interest and took action, right? Mm -hmm. And through that, I got opportunities to practice what I learned, uh, uh, something that, frankly, other people were probably more qualified to do. But I put myself in a situation where I was recognized as someone who was interested in that. So that, that's especially early in your career. I think that's, I think that's a great move if you can establish some, something like that. Jeff, I don't know if you've got anything to, to add on to that. Yeah, same thing. Those are some great examples of taking initiative. You were talking earlier, uh, you know, just raising your hand for, for those opportunities. I've, I've had multiple experiences in my career to do that. Um, and, and whether that's things you need to, to learn or there are new projects, um, you know, keep going. And, and Casey in the comments was saying, you know, he's experienced some things early on yeah. in his career. Um and found that just taking an initiative, a lot of times people are going to give you that opportunity to to own it. And and many of us have experienced that same thing. And and that's just some some great uh, example of taking initiative, raising your hand, and and doing some things that are uncomfortable, even that you don't know, uh, and and embracing that a little bit so that you can have those new experiences. And just this last question we've got we've got left here, unless anyone else has some uh, one more. Just as one more comes in, but um, what's one piece of advice you would give to newly graduated engineers, something you wish you knew when you started out? And, uh, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, but the extra thing I would add on here is uh, early on, I would have been a lot more proactive rather than reactive early in my career. Okay. Um, both with the people that I wanted to network with, network with, learn from, uh, seeking out mentors that could help me in different ways, uh, and also the types of things that I wanted to, to learn. Um, I found myself in my first job out of college. It just kind of, I, I had easy connections because of some work I was doing in school that there was an opportunity and I took the job. So I was very reactive rather than saying, this is a type of job or a company that I really want to work for. Um, and I really went after that. I, I, I didn't do that. I was just reactive with what came. Um, and I learned a lot through that experience and, and have since I learned uh, many things that I could have done differently. Uh, but because of that, I've learned through those experiences, but I definitely would have been a lot more proactive rather than reactive early on in my career. And that's what I would say, both with the clarity and taking action and taking initiative, all the things we've talked about thus, thus far, um, being more proactive is what I would have done. Any, anything from you, Pat? I would say, especially early in your career, um, to to really allow yourself to get technically very, very, very good. I I personally was someone who, um, you know, in in my senior year design project in undergrad, I was the guy putting together the Gantt charts 
and calling suppliers. And that, uh, and I, I knew that that was kind of my, my direction was going to be project management. It was going to be leadership, people management. And looking back, if I were to change something, I'd have spent more time doing the nitty gritty technical stuff. Um, because it, A, it's, it's, it, it's important to establish that in your career because a, you don't necessarily know you want to become a manager, right? That's, it's a totally different world, right? It's a different job. Um, and you can be a much more effective manager and leader if you've got your technical chops in order. You've got a whole career to lead teams and, and that kind of thing. So look for every opportunity to double down on the technical stuff, especially early on. That's I, I, one, one thing that I would absolutely change about my path. I got there. Right. I eventually did double back and, and, and work towards the more technical stuff, but had to convince myself. And I'm glad I did. So mark that. And George, uh, just started my first senior engineer position and I'm still fairly new at this company and position. What are some things I should be mindful of that I need to do differently from a junior engineer position in order to just not beat in in order to just not beat imposter syndrome, but also prove to management that they hired the correct person for this senior role. Ooh, that's, that's an interesting one. Um, I would say my, my gut reaction there is, is maybe that, um, maybe not to overthink it, right? Particularly if you're in a new company and a new role, you're, the expectation is that you're, you're going to need to, learn. And what I would say is um, I would do a combination of two things. One, get really, really, really well read on, on existing company policies and processes. Don't assume you know how it's done, right? Figure out on paper how it's done and then don't be afraid to ask people if, if something doesn't make a whole lot of sense, like get good with the tools, get good with the policies, get, get good with heck, even your timesheets, right? Like that, that's something, that's something that, that is very important to, to sort out. Um, but then also take advantage of the fact that you have previous experience in a previous organization, right? This, this is something that you can add value to the company right away by sharing best practices from, from a different role, if, if, if at all applicable. Um, you know, I, I would say, I would say the, the only other thing that is really within your sphere of control is to commit, like to work hard, to commit, to understand that maybe little bad things will happen as you get your feet under you. Um, but fix the mistakes, right? Work hard and, and keep pushing forward. And if you are the right person, it will work, right? And, and, and again, someone has hired you, someone has recommended you for this role. So, so in all likelihood, you are the right person, but it's okay to not have um, everything sorted out right away. And, and one thing I, I could share is, uh, so right now uh, I'm, the, uh, I'm the, the head of configuration management uh, which is a department in, in, in my organization. I've had this role for, for four or five months now. I've never worked in configuration management in my life. <laughs> okay. This is not an area of expertise for me. What I'm very good at is, is leading a team and, and turning a team from kind of a weak performing team to a very strong one. That's why I got the job. That's why I was asked to take it on. But 
I'll admit I've had my fair share of imposter syndrome moments where I thought like, I, I, I don't even know what these guys do. How am I supposed to manage them? Right. And the point is not to know everything. The point is to establish a plan for how you're going to figure out what you need to figure out. Right. And work hard towards that plan. And if you can do that, you'll, you'll, you'll have it made. I really don't think you have anything to worry about. Well, well said, Pat, you know, just continuing to, to be confident, but also humble, I think is what you're sure. talking about. Yeah. Like willing yeah. to ask questions, to take some risks and, and not feel like you have to be the, <clears throat> the one who has the answer to every question. Um, even though that's what we are saying on our slide right now, that we have an answer for every question. But, um, <laughs> they, they may not be great answers, but we'll, we'll, we'll give answers anyway. It's maybe a but, little bit um, cheeky. You know, being, being one who's ask, actually asking questions. And one of the great things about leadership and communication is, is practicing that skill in and of itself, that ability to ask great questions, to uh, practice great inquiry, um, focused inquiry. And, and I think it's something that a lot of uh, leaders um, forget um, that they need mm-hmm. to be not just question answers, but great question askers um, mm-hmm. about that. And so that, that's what I would, that I would say, but. Uh, you, you, you jogged my memory there, Jeff. Um, something that I, I learned, I learned from a, a, a book I, I read once upon a time and, and it had to do with becoming a manager, but I think, I think it absolutely applies to having a senior role as a, an individual contributor is that you're not, your job is not to have all the answers. No matter what your job is, it is never to have all the answers. Uh, it may be to know how to figure things out within a certain domain, but the answer, I don't know, but I'll figure it out, is is almost always better than guessing <laughs> when you don't when you don't actually know, right? So don't be afraid, don't be afraid to 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 call it like it is and then commit to getting answers you don't have. Yeah. Anyway, I just want to, um, I think we're clear on the questions tonight, but I just want to thank everyone one more time for attending tonight. This was fun for us to put together and to prepare for, and it was fun to have the interaction with you guys through the chat and the Q&A and sharing with us. Please fill out that survey and, and tell us what your thoughts are as we put together perhaps uh, a larger engineering career summit, which we would be excited about to bring to you and others in the community and, uh, you know, reach out and connect with us. We, we are, are happy to, to share anything that we have, uh, the resources that we already shared tonight. And uh, both of us have other resources we're happy to share if you connect and um, or have a certain need. Very good. Th- thanks, uh, thanks again, everyone. Well, well said, Jeff. And uh, as always, uh, a pleasure. There you have it, my webinar with Jeff Perry on future-proofing your engineering career. I'll put links to Jeff's website and to the video replay in the show notes if you'd like to watch what you just heard. Again, thank you so much to everyone who attended. Thank you so much to Jeff Perry. Um, I think you can expect a lot more webinars in the future. It was it was a heck of a lot of fun. And what I really enjoyed most, I think, was the interaction. There was a Q&A session at the end, and people were, were submitting comments and questions in the chat box. It was really, really cool. It was really nice to be able to to interact live, which as much as I love the podcast, I love this medium. I think it's fantastic. You don't get that that live interaction. So that was really, really cool. 
Another thing that I'll mention is that Jeff and I announced at the end of the webinar that he and I are working toward a virtual engineering career summit. And this is going to be something we launch sometime in the new year. We're thinking probably February timeframe. And we would love your help. See, what we know is that engineers all over the place uh, have certain skills, certain needs, certain uh, challenges that they're up against with respect to their careers, managing their careers, advancing, uh, knowing how to set goals, knowing how to achieve those goals with respect to their careers. But we'd love to get your thoughts on the kind of things that you would be interested in. So if you're interested, if you think this is something you could benefit from and you want to help kind of shape what Jeff and I do, we could definitely use your help. So what I've done is I've set up a very simple questionnaire, just a short survey, and you can get to it at engineeringandleadership.com slash career summit. That's engineeringandleadership.com slash career summit. And there are just three questions, very, very simple. And if you wouldn't mind providing your feedback, that would be a huge help to make sure that, you know, if, if we're going to put all this time and energy into something that we're actually on the mark, that we're uh, finding speakers who you'd be interested in, addressing topics that really need to be addressed, that would be that would be awesome. So that website, once more, is engineeringandleadership.com slash career summit. Thank you very much. And next up, is the Engineering and Leadership Mailbag. This, of course, is the part of the show where I read your mail, comments, tweets, messages, and, and, and whatever else you send me. If someone were to send me a physical letter, I would read that too and answer your questions. I promise to read absolutely everything you send me, and I promise to share my favorites here on the podcast. Up top here is, a, a, I got a note, a couple messages actually from Omer Yavin, who shared the Engineering and Leadership website and podcast on LinkedIn as a part of a, a list of places to go for great engineering management and leadership content. So I just want to say thank you, Omer. That's that's really cool. And and knowing who else you shared, uh, a couple folks in there, including the founder of Coursera, to think that I might be included in a list like that is, is phenomenal. So I really appreciate that. I'm glad you're getting a lot of value out of the show here. Um, next up is Aditya Guti of whoweare.io. Uh, and now he wrote to thank Jeff and I for the webinar. And Aditya is a professional speaker and a coach. And he's got a really cool podcast too called Signs of High-Paid, High-Performing, Happy Engineers, which I think is an excellent name. You know exactly what you're going to get uh, when you when you uh, check out that podcast. So I'll definitely be sharing links in the show notes to Aditya's material there. And Judy Wu wrote to ask uh, a really interesting question about getting into project management. And the question was about whether or not she should get an MBA and whether or not that was the right move with respect to, to getting into PM. Um, now, as an engineer who uh, earned an MBA, I, I, I offered some advice to Judy, but I, I, thought, I thought I would share it with, uh, with you all now. Getting an MBA is a really interesting way to, to broaden horizons in your career, for sure. Um, but it's important to bear in mind that most MBAs are generalist degrees. They're going to teach you about business administration broadly. You'll learn about uh, finance and marketing and organizational theory and all sorts of other interesting stuff, including, in most programs, project management. So 
an MBA is is a an interesting way to develop yourself professionally, and it has absolutely paid dividends. <laughs> That's an MBA joke. Paid dividends in my career. Okay, but it's not the only way. And if you're someone who is very focused on a, a, a particular niche, a particular uh, area like project management, there are alternatives. And the alternatives that I suggested to Judy um, were as follows: uh, Coursera which I've already mentioned here on the show, is a, a provider of massive open online courses. So you can get university-level education from actual universities uh, for dirt cheap. And there are an awful lot of courses on project management, specialty certificates you can get in project management. And many universities and colleges and their continuing education departments also offer short courses very targeted toward project management. So if that's your focus, that would be much cheaper and much faster. And, and probably a more direct route to getting into project management. Uh, another alternative is, is to go to Project Management International, PMI.org, and look into getting your, your PMP designation, your Project Management Professional designation, which is something I, I hold as well. And it's, it's not an easy thing to get, for sure. You've got to study hard. You've got to know your stuff. You need your experience. But certainly is much faster, much cheaper, much more targeted than getting an MBA. Okay, so I think it's important to bear in mind what your overall uh, career goals are, because there are more direct paths to project management than getting an MBA. Now, you can find MBAs that specialize in project management, and you can find engineering management degrees out there that specialize in project management. Um, anyone interested in that should check out George Washington University's online offerings and Johns Hopkins online uh, engineering school offerings. There's a lot of good stuff. So, Judy, I hope that's a help. And anyone else interested in project management, I hope that's a help. If anyone has questions about becoming a PM in an engineering context, you should write me a note. Leave a comment at the bottom of the show notes. Just go to uh, engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 19. I'd, I'd be very curious to know what uh, what you'd like to know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll make a show about it. And finally, just a quick reminder that if you'd like to be heard on the show... All you have to do is leave me a voicemail. And you can do that at engineeringandleadership.com slash contact. I'd love to know what you thought of the show today. Any comments, questions, ideas, let me know. Again, engineeringandleadership.com slash contact. And uh, you can leave me a voicemail. Maybe hear yourself on the show here. That, my friends, is all the time we have for the show today. And sadly, this will be my last episode of 2020 as my, my family and I gear up for the Christmas season. In light of that, I wish you the very, very best over the holidays. I hope you and yours are able to get some rest, some relaxation, no doubt very, very well earned. I think many of us are quite ready for a break from 2020. Thank you very much. But I will be back in the new year with more interviews, more ideas, and, and, and more ways to help you become excellent engineering managers and leaders. So do stay tuned. There will be more coming in the new year. As always, if you enjoyed the show, uh, please do subscribe. If you do want to hear more, that's the best way to get notified of new shows is by subscribing. And uh, please leave me a review. That's a, a great way to help me improve the show and help others find it as well. Um, as long as it's an honest review. I really do actually want to know if there are things that uh, that can be improved. I can't get better unless you let me know. For more information and links to resources mentioned today, just go to the show notes. That's engineeringandleadership.com slash episode 19. And while you're at the website, you can also explore 
the rest of what I've got to offer. There's a bunch of free content, blog posts, articles, downloads, ton of good stuff at engineeringandleadership.com. Until next time, this is Pat Sweet reminding you that if you're going to be anything, be excellent. And to have a Merry Christmas. You've been listening to the Engineering and Leadership Podcast with Pat Sweet. If you'd like to learn more, go to engineeringandleadership.com where you'll find more free articles, podcasts, and downloads to help engineers thrive. That's engineeringandleadership.com.